Praise the Lord. Let's look in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. just want to share out of a couple of verses there, and then particularly speak about one mother today. <clears throat> Notice here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 and verse 3. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Well, very, very clear. The first commandment that has promise with it. Not just one promise. There are two promises that God makes. And the promises of God are always connected to us making a choice, making a response. And so God says to honor your mother. Honor your mother means to prize her, to value her, to uh, give her a special place in your heart, to... uh, Speak words that encourage, speak words of appreciation, a whole lot of meaning. It really means literally give weight to the place your mother has in your life. You say, well, you know, you don't know where I've come from. Well, it doesn't matter where you've come from. God still says this, that if you will honor your mother, if you will make a choice in your life consistently and continually that you give your mother a place of honor, he says, then there's some things will flow out of that. There are two things that God makes a promise. Number one, that it'll be well with you. Number two, that you'll live long. And uh, one of the things that uh, we have noticed out of counseling people and working with people, that many times the troubles that people have in their life, you can track down to one point where it began. And that is there was a breakdown in family relationships and they began to despise and dishonor either a mother or a father. When God says, honor your mother and honor your father, when God particularly says to do this, it's because there is something He has wired into us that will work right if we do this. You and I are designed to function with the principle of honor operating in our life. When we fail to honor, when we despise and we speak against and we're negative, something changes inside us. We're not made or designed to function that way. The Bible tells us that every person born into this world is born with sin. We're separated from God and separated from Him in a personal relationship, separated from Him by running our life our own way. And so we do things we think are right would actually hurt us. But inside every one of us, God has wired us so that when we do the things He says to do, there is a tangible benefit. Physical sickness is a result of bitterness and dishonor of parents. Much mental problems and problems people have that cause them to be suffering with depression, all kinds of other things, can be traced back to the issues of unresolved conflict in the home. And so God tells us to honor our mother, to give her a place of value. I wonder what you've done to honor your mother. What have you done? How, what, 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 when we think of mother, what do you think? I was thinking about some mums this morning and the different kind of mothers that we've got here today. And I began to uh, just identify some mothers that we'll have here. There's a whole range of different mothers. I was thinking, well, you know, just mothers. And as I began to think about it, I thought, well, there's a heap of different mothers here today. And in a moment, we just want to identify mothers in our midst. We want to particularly just give uh, a, a verbal appreciation for you today. I was thinking about mothers, mothers that are women that are married, married mothers, and there's a whole group of those. There are mothers here with infants, mothers here with toddlers. It's a different stage of motherhood. Mother, mothers here with uh, teenagers, that's a different stage of motherhood. Majorly different stage. There's mothers here with children left home. It's another phase in your life. And there's mothers here whose children have produced mothers, ch- children. So I want you to see here, there's another group of mothers that are here, and those are ones who are alone. So I was thinking about the mothers that are present here today. There'll be some who are alone. Alone for a number of reasons. Could be alone because uh, you're a solo parent. 
what a challenge it is to be a mother if you're a solo parent. Perhaps there's some here who are mothers and your husband abandoned you. I can think of one or two right now. And you have been brave and courageous mothers. Think of Janice whose husband abandoned her and left her in debt. And how courageously she's raised two children and has served God and done all she could to really honor the Lord in her life. Think of other mothers here who, who have been divorced. You, you, somehow the relationship broke down and you've had to be on your own. The tremendous grief that you carry. Think of other mothers here today and perhaps you were widowed. Your husband died and here you are and there's aloneness. So there's a lot of different mothers that we have in our midst today. There's other mothers here today and perhaps mothers that have empty arms. By that I mean that perhaps you've had a miscarriage. We had two miscarriages and there's, there's, a, there's like a gap left in the heart where there ought to be children and there aren't children. So there'll be some mothers here today and while we're, we're having a time of honoring mothers and celebrating and rejoicing and, and whatever, for you it will have a different feeling inside. I found one of the challenges in, uh, in, in, in having a day like this, a Mother's Day or a Father's Day or some kind of thing, is always for some people it's a joyous occasion, for others it brings back different kind of feelings. And so if you're a mother with empty arms, perhaps today it reminds you not of the joys of motherhood, but it reminds you of a sorrow. Perhaps there are some who have had an abortion and you've never got over the guilt, the shame or the sorrow of that. And so today every time there's a Mother's Day, something in your heart just feels heavy because you need healing. Perhaps there are other mothers here today and you've had the premature death of a child. I've been to families where a child had a cot death or a child died from an accident and mothers in that situation still carry the grief years afterwards often. And so on a Mother's Day, there's many, many different kind of responses. There may be some mothers here, for whatever reason, you adopted a child. And in your heart, you carry the memory of that child. You've carried a child for nine months and then adopted the child out. Probably not your first choice, but perhaps circumstances were very difficult. And so there's a place in your heart which is very empty. And so as we look today, we have many, many mothers. Some today will be very happy rejoicing because their family is around them and loving them and, and honoring them. There'll be others today who'll be very sad because it's not like that in your family. And so today as we, we want to honor mothers, we want to value, we want to just identify and just appreciate and express just a moment in the service now just to particularly bless and pray for mothers. Now, I don't want to single anyone out, but what we want to do is I, I read out different categories of mothers which we'll have here today. Married, with infants, toddlers, teens, or grown up, or perhaps you've got grandchildren already. Mothers who are alone, solo, abandoned, divorced, or perhaps widowed. Perhaps there's mothers here with empty arms, miscarriage, abortion, premature death, or adoption. What we want to do is just take a moment in the service, and we want to just pray for you and bless you, because God loves you and cares about you, and each one of you is very special to him. So I wonder if all the mothers that I've mentioned, you'll fall into one of those categories, I'm sure. Why don't you just stand up right now, Perhaps you fall into two or three categories. Perhaps as I've read that list out, you've said, oh, wow, I fit in two or three places. I'll just get all the mothers to stand right now. Every one of the mothers here. And that's grandmothers as well. We mentioned that, mothers whose children have already become a mother. This is what I want us to do. We're going to do two things. Number one, we're just going to give them a tremendous clap and a cheer and celebrate them. And then number two, we're going to gather around them and we're just going to pray for them that God's love and peace and blessing will come around them and touch them today. You amen? Okay, ready? One, two, three. Let's give them a great big clap. Oh! Praise God for mothers. Whoa! 
Thank God for mothers. Whoa. Okay. No, you're not a mother, Benjamin. Not yet. <laughs> okay, come on now. Now, what we want to do now is why don't we just gather around all the mums who are here. Mums, stay standing. Let's just gather around them and let's just lay hands on them. And I want you to pray and to bless every mother that's here today. You don't know what they've gone through, which category they've fallen to, but God can put it in your heart to pray something that'll be just an encouragement for them. So come on, look around, see if there's a mother around near you. You may have to pray for two or three. Just leave your place and go to wherever there's a mother standing. And if there's a mum standing and no one's come and prayed for you, just hold your hand up. Someone is going to pray for you. Okay, we're running out of people to do the praying. Well, praise the Lord. Come on then. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you. Father, right now, we thank you, Lord. Father, we just bless joy right now. Father, we release your love. We thank you for her sacrifice, her commitment as a mother. We thank you, Lord, for your presence around her life to give her grace to fulfill every function of a mother. Lord, today we release your love, your presence, your anointing upon her today. Father, touch her by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Ooh, Holy Ghost, come. Would you go and pray for some mothers now? There'll be some around. If you're a mother who hasn't been prayed for, just hold your hand up. There's one, there's some over there, Joy. There's one just there. And there's a couple down the back, even got babies in the arms. God bless you. Okay, Dave. Dave, you want to pop right down the back corner there? Kate, perhaps you could go too. Just straight in the corner there. That's the way. Over here, there's one there. Come and pray for the mother over here. Dot, Lynn, just over here. There's a mum and no hand up. Okay, any other mums haven't been prayed for? Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone who's mothered teenagers needs to be prayed for today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay then, I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read a few verses out of Luke chapter 1. I want to look at one of history's great mothers. One of the things about being a mother, of course, is when you look at people who are great in the world, no one ever says anything about their mother, but they were great because they had a great mother. George Washington was a great man. And when you hear the name George Washington, everyone knows who he was and how he's a great figure in, in America's life, in America's history. No one knows the name of his mother. But he said, I was able to do what I did because of what my mother put into me as a child. Abraham Lincoln Everyone knows of him as a great president of the United States. Tremendous man, man who overcame every kind of setback and adversity, became a great president. Everyone knows him. No one knows his mother's name. But he said publicly, I'm only here doing what I can do because my mother believed in me and sowed into me when I was a child. Fantastic. We'll have a look at a mother here as a great mother. And uh, I want us to, just going to read a few verses. I want to just bring out uh, two or three aspects of this mother and uh, this is the mother of Jesus Christ. And uh, verse, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was engaged to a young man whose name was Joseph 
of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in and said, Hail, highly favored or blessed. The Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying, and she cast in her mind what kind of greeting this should be. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give to him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, seeing I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. And the, thing, the holy thing which is born of you shall be called the Son of God. Behold your cousin Elizabeth. She has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of her who is called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Perhaps when we think about Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, we have many kinds of concepts of her. Uh, often it depends on where you came from. I was raised with a Catholic background, so we had certain kinds of uh, uh, ways of thinking concerning Mary, not, not at all biblical. But I want to just open up several aspects of her to show the kind of person she was and why it is she was uh, particularly uh, blessed, why particularly her life stands out. And when we see why her life stands out, we see that some of the qualities she had in her, every person here can take hold of those very same qualities. When we look at Mary, first of all, look at Mary the person. We see, number one, she's a very ordinary person. You couldn't tell her apart from anyone else. You're a very ordinary person. Mary was a very common name in the Bible. There's about seven different Marys. Mary was very common. Uh, it, uh, in, the, in the original language, it's the same as Miriam. Miriam, of course, was the sister of Moses. So Miriam or Mary was an extremely common name. She was a very young girl, probably a teenager in her uh, early or maybe mid-teens. Uh, she was from a Jewish family, probably quite a poor family. She came from a town that was of absolutely no reputation. It was like a, just a little hick town. She didn't come from anywhere famous. She never preached, never preached a message that the Bible records. The Bible never records she did any miracles. The Bible never records she was a greater important person in the New Testament. And so when we look at Mary's greatness, you have to ascribe it to these things. Number one, it was God that has made her great. And number two, it's because of how she responded to what God wanted her to do with her life. There's no record in the Bible anywhere of her having some great position in the New Testament church. In fact, it tells us that at the time of Pentecost, she was up there gathered with the other people, hungering after a move of God. But what's, what caused her to stand out, what still caused her to stand out, is she was a mother who heard God and fulfilled what God said for her to do. It's a great encouragement because many mums sometimes being in a church, you can think, well, unless I'm preaching and going on a mission trip, unless I'm doing some great miracle or some great thing, then my life doesn't count. But listen, Mary did none of those things. She was a mother. She was a mother and a great mother. So we see, first of all, what Mary was. She's a very ordinary person. Second thing we see about Mary was she's very human. Sometimes people tend to raise her up on a pedestal as though she was someone who was really, really very different from anyone. I want to share with you some, some aspects about her life that are very, very human. So, number one, she sorrowed over a missing child. In Luke chapter 2, verse 48, at the age of 12, Jesus disappeared. I don't know whether ever you have had a missing child. We've had them many times go missing. <laughs> they wander off, and you've got a big crowd. It's not always to keep track on them, but... Uh, 
when a child goes missing, there's something happens. Your heart fills with fear. And the Bible tells us that at the age of 12, Jesus stayed behind in the temple uh, where he was wanting to learn the ways of God. And Mary and her and her husband, Joseph, went uh, elsewhere with a whole group of people. And because it was such a large number of them, she didn't notice he was missing. And then when she found he was missing, there was a tremendous grief and a sorrow. And when she came back and found him, she said, we have sought you with great sorrowing. In other words, she knew what it was like to feel sadness over a child being missing and the anxiety that goes with that. Second thing was she, that makes her very human was she tried to pressure her son to do something. In John chapter 2, verse 3, there's a wedding and they run out of wine. She goes, oh, Jesus, they run out of wine. In other words, she's, she's, a, she's a mother who's trying to get a son to do something. All mothers can understand that one. Very, very human. Struggling over a child that went missing, trying to make her son do something, and he's resisting it and not doing it. Very, very human. We find uh, she misunderstood her son's calling in Mark 3 and verse 21, Jesus preaching. And she went in with the, with the rest of the family. She said, he's beside himself. He's gone crazy. Let's get him out of here and get him back home. So as a mother, she didn't always understand the call on her son's life. She's a very, very human person, not understanding what he was called to do, not fully understanding the mission in life and trying to pull him back from what she disagreed with. Very, very human. You can see Mary and you see her as a person. There's some other aspects of her as a person you can see as well. She's a very loving mother. When you look at, Jesus, uh, at the uh, story of Jesus and look at the way his mother handled his life, you see the tremendous love she had. She was not prominent at all in the Bible, as we said before, because the Bible singles out that her prime claim to any kind of prominence was she obeyed God and she became a mother. You find her right in the very end as one of the women standing with her son, when his son's on the cross, all his followers, all the great men of God, called to be apostles. And they ran away. But there's at least one person who didn't run away. It's his mother. She remained there with him right till the very end because she was his mother. And she felt in her heart. Can you imagine what she must have gone through? But she stood there and she was there for him right till the very end. When Jesus was, the life was ebbing out of Jesus as he hung on the cross. He had one person standing there who never ran away. It was his mother. When you look at the words that Jesus spoke on the cross, out of the seven words he spoke on the cross, one was directed to his mother. Think about it. Tremendous love she had for him. Tremendous heart she had for him. Right through to the very, very end. There's a special place in the heart. You know, to be a loving mother. What a great calling in life to be a loving mother. What a great calling to be a mother, to shape a child. You know, the first few years of a child are the most important. Everyone knows that in those early developmental years, there's no substitute for a mother in the child's life. Child bonds to the mother. Child's nurtured by the mother. Child learns the ways of God, learns habits, learns disciplines. The whole pattern of, uh, of being nurtured and being able to feel emotions, the mother is the prime person who influences that. If you look at men later on who grew up in life who got emotional problems, you'll find always it was a difficulty with their relationship with their mother. Mothers have a tremendous impact on shaping the emotional health of a child. Then later on in the teenage years, the father begins to shape their calling, their destiny, and their life as they prepare to go out into the world and begin to make their life count for something. But in the first season of their life, the mother is the most important in providing the security and stability in the child's life. That's why I, I really get very, very upset when I see our society pushing mothers out of the home and trying to make it a great thing for a mother to go out and work when there's no substitute for you in your child's life. 
I know sometimes it's necessary to do that, and I'm not against that, but we need to remember that motherhood, being able to shape your child's life, is still one of the most important calls you have in your life. And so another thing we see about her, we find not only a loving mother, but we find she endured hardship without complaining. And anyone who knows men know men don't suffer pain very easily. And all the women said, oh. <laughs> when men are sick, they, they look sick, they talk like they're sick, and they want sympathy. Isn't that true? Is that not true? It's true, isn't it? See, strong men, the moment they get a bit of pain, suddenly they turn, something goes wrong inside, they become like a little kid again wanting a mother. Shows how powerful that thing is, isn't it, eh? But uh, mothers, one of the things about Mary is she endured tremendous hardship and pain without suffering. It's one of the things I really honor my wife is she's gone through tremendous uh, uh, stresses and pressures in being the wife of a pastor and being a mother to seven children and all that's gone with that and the raising them up, uh, the raising them to be teenagers and then sending them out into life. I really honor my wife for just what she's done in that regard. It's not easy. There's a grief and there's sorrow. There's all kinds of things go with that. God never says our life will be easy. So you see with Mary, you see several things. Let me give you some of the hardships. Since never ever mentioned she ever complained. And we're going to look at what it was in her life that made her different in just a moment. But you can see she's a person. Firstly, she's a person. She's an ordinary person, just like you and me. And so let's just have a look at some of the hardships she endured without complaining. She was the, first of all, the embarrassment of her pregnancy. Can you imagine what it was like as a young teenage girl and she becomes pregnant, she's not had any relationship with a man. Can you imagine the embarrassment and the shame in their culture? And she carried that embarrassment because she was willing to embrace what God had for her life. Sometimes when we choose to follow the Lord and choose to do what God wants in our life, sometimes it's embarrassing and awkward and difficult, and people don't understand. But she was willing to embrace that without ever uttering a complaint. Another thing is she was misunderstood by her fiancé. When Joseph found she was pregnant, of course, he was very troubled by it. How would you? Would you believe the story of the angel? He didn't believe the story of an angel. What he wanted to do was to get rid of her quietly. He was planning to separate from her. He was planning to do it quietly because he didn't want her to get into trouble. But uh, nevertheless, he was planning to leave her, and it was only a divine intervention. So imagine what it's like to be misunderstood by someone you really love and you really want them to understand. There's never a mention that she complained once. She's a woman of faith, a woman who embraced the call of God in life. Here's another thing. She risked death. In those days, if a person, a woman got uh, uh, pregnant outside wedlock, there was in the, in the written law, uh, as for adultery and other kinds of crimes, this was considered a crime punishable by death, so she risked her life by embracing the call of God. For her to embrace the call of God put her life at risk. Another thing she did was she endured the comfort, discomfort of the birth conditions. Imagine what it was like being, having to travel when you're about nearly eight to nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey. And you travel right across from one place to another, and then there's no room even for you, and then fulfilling God's will for you means that you end up and you're in a stable among the animals and you're giving birth. The greatest event in your life, and it's taking place in the most horrendous conditions. Not a word of complaint. Not a word of complaint. Not long after that, of course, she became aware that uh, the king wanted to kill her child, so she became a refugee. I don't know whether you've watched on television, ever seen refugees. 
that have had to leave their country behind and had to go to another country, have to live in another culture, have to live with another language and other ways, and knowing always that if you go back, you may be killed or your son may be killed. There's not a word she ever complained about being a refugee. Think about it. The anxiety that she must have had at any time soldiers could have caught up and killed her child. Not a word about complaining. Notice the other next thing we find is that uh, as you, you look and read the story of Jesus, you find, of course, that she became widowed. There came a point when her husband died, and she was left then to raise a big family on her own. The Bible tells us that there were brothers and sisters, at least two sisters. Their names are in the Bible, and several brothers. So there were a family, probably about six, she had to raise without her husband. Not a word that she complained in any of that. What an amazing woman. Amazing woman. What made her amazing woman? She didn't do miracles and she didn't preach anything. But what she did do was she embraced the call of God in her life. In her day, she did what God called her to do. That was to be a great mother. Think about it. Think about it. She endured the pressures of a large family. And he had a large family, teenagers growing up, trying to feed them. They come home. Man, I've seen them come home and clean up a loaf of bread and a couple of liters of milk and they're still hungry. Think what it's like trying to provide for a big family. And yet she, there's not a word she ever complained. And then finally she had to endure watching her son as he grew up and embraced ministry, being rejected by people and then cruelly put to death. And there's not a word she complained. But she was a person. She was a person just like you and me. She was a person, a human being. And there was something that marks her out. There's something that marks her out. And that is she was a woman of faith. I want to share with you just five simple things that indicate the depth of quality that was in her life. And they're not things that are impossible. We look and we say, oh, well, you know, well, that was all right. That was Mary. But, you know, uh, nevertheless, there are some things that she did which we can also go walk through. Number one, she encountered the presence of God. The thing that set her life apart was she had an encounter with God. Her life was extremely ordinary until the day the Spirit of God touched her life. You're in a meeting today and the presence of God is here. You can feel it in the atmosphere. We come into meetings week after week, the presence of God is here. We have opportunity, we come to pray to encounter the presence of God. She encountered the presence of God. That's something every one of us can do. Second thing that she did was this. She believed what God said to her. You notice what it says in verse 48? Blessed is her that believed. She believed. When God spoke to her, she believed what God said. Now you understand this. Believing doesn't mean, oh yeah, yeah. What it meant for her was her whole life would change. Believing is not just mentally saying, well, I believe there's a God, that'll do me. Believing in the Bible means your life changes as a result of what you believe. It means you attach to and begin to start to put into words and actions what you believe. So we say we believe in Jesus. Even demons believe in Jesus. To believe in Jesus means to commit your life to following him and fulfilling his call upon your life. That's what you're made for. Third thing she did was she yielded her life to serve God. Notice what she said, the handmaiden of the Lord or the servant of the Lord. I am the servant of the Lord. So she positioned herself when she encountered the presence of God and God spoke to her. She immediately said, I'm the servant of God. I'm here to fulfill what God wants. Notice the next words, be it done to me according to your will. Or in other words, whatever God wants me to do, I am willing to do it. That's what makes us stand out. She served God's purpose in her generation. How did it happen? 
She encountered the presence of the angel of the Lord. She encountered the presence of God. She heard what God said and chose to believe it, to surrender to it, and to act on it, and never complained when it had hardship in it. That's what makes her outstanding. A woman of faith, a woman of God, a great and an awesome mother. Listen, God can take your life and make it special as well. In uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 27, there's a woman came to Jesus while Jesus was going on his way to the cross. He said, blessed are the breasts that gave you suck. And he said, no, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus said, I don't want, in other words, he's saying, I don't want you to attach too much importance to my mother. I don't want you to attach too much importance to Mary. I don't want you to raise her up as though she's someone special or unique. What I want you to do is understand what she did. She heard the word of God and she kept it. And that's what made her blessed. And that's what will make you a blessed person too. There's not a person here that can't do what Mary did in the sense of this. We can encounter God's presence. We can choose to hear and believe what he says to us and begin to surrender our life to do it. And listen, that's the challenge on a Mother's Day. It's to actually recognize God calls you to be a godly mother, a godly person. To be more than just a mother, to be a godly mother. A godly mother is one who's encountered the presence of God, who's heard God speak to her, and has said, yes to the Lord, I'll be your servant, and I'm not going to run my life the way the world runs it, I'm going to run it according to what you've called me to do. Listen, let me give you one last verse in John chapter 1 and verse 12. This is what the Bible says to everyone, 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 everyone who believed, everyone who received Jesus Christ, everyone who believed on him, he gives the power to become a child of God. Think about that. I want you just to close your eyes right now as we finish. The Bible makes it very clear every person is born into this world separated from God. What causes us to be separated from God is that we're born in sin. There's a part of us that's damaged. We don't follow God's ways, neither do we follow the Lord. We just do what we want to do the way we want to do it. When Jesus Christ came into this world, he came in to call all men into a relationship with him, all women into a relationship with him, all young people into a relationship with him. Blessed are those who hear God's word and keep it. Blessed. You're blessed in your life. God's blessing comes when you personally respond to him. To everyone who received him, everyone who believed and responded to him, he gave power to become a child of God. Just with our eyes closed and our heads about right now, I want to pray a prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. It's a prayer of a person who recognizes their need for God. It's the prayer of an ordinary person who's got lots of pain and mistakes and things wrong in their life, but they've come to recognize that God can make my life very special if I will respond to Him. So I'm going to lead this prayer right now. I'd like you just to listen and follow me in this prayer. Whether a woman, a mother, a father, a man, a son, whatever, it doesn't make any difference. We can all pray this simple prayer. I want you to pray the prayer with me now.